You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show continuing here on your Thursday, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Great show so far. We'll uh, we'll continue it on later on at 9.30. We'll be joined by Sandra Piscina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers and sports reporter over at City News 660. Uh, Wranglers off to a 1-0-1 start. Uh, played their first two games out in Winnipeg against the Manitoba Moose. Uh, they will play two more this weekend in Abbotsford before coming home the following weekend uh, for their home opener against the Colorado Eagles. It is also Calgary Flames game day. It's brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Pre-game will go at 4 o'clock with Pat Steinberg. Puck drop will go a little bit after 5 o'clock with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. But uh, Flames continuing this road trip out east uh, into Buffalo this evening. Dan Vladar will be your starter in net. Uh, we had Kelly Rudy on earlier on in the program. Mentioned that uh, Vladar could have started on Monday against Washington, but was uh, a little under the weather, so they decided to roll with Markstrom. Uh, so it'll be Dan Vladar this evening, and then Markstrom uh, tomorrow night in the uh, back half of the back-to-back against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Welcome to the program. Got GVP along with me. Uh, I'm going to play some audio here in the uh, first half. We're going to hear from uh, head coach Ryan Huska. He spoke to the media yesterday during the off day. A lot of questions in and around the shootout. Uh, and, uh, you know, just are they practicing it? What's going on with it? The Flames uh, aren't, aren't the greatest uh, shootout team. They don't exactly have a lot of guys that have great shootout records. I believe it was going through it yesterday that Jonathan Huberto is their best active player in the shootout, and he's just clipping in over a little over 30%. It doesn't look like he'd be our best. It doesn't look like he'd be the best one. No, no, exactly. This guy is a a pass-first player, but, uh, I mean, that stuff kind of goes out of the window when it's a a one-on-one with the goaltender. But, yeah, Huberto is actually the best uh, overall uh, percentage shooter among uh, at least 10, 10 attempts. Yeah, uh, Huberto is the best. So uh, we'll play this uh, little clip here from uh, Ryan Husk about five minutes. And then a uh, uh, big game for the Calgary Stampeders tomorrow. We're still waiting on depth charts, but uh, they should have a decently healthy roster heading into Vancouver as it's a massive, massive game. The Stampeders control their own destiny. Uh, doesn't matter what Saskatchewan really does on Saturday against Toronto. If Calgary beats BC and Saskatchewan falls uh, to Toronto, they're, uh, Calgary's in, man. All they got to really do is uh, they got the... They, uh, they'll, They'll tie Saskatchewan. They'll have the tie break. So it's a, it's a big one for the Stampeders, but they should have some bodies back. Uh, we'll play uh, Maddie's uh, Stamps report, uh, get you a little bit of a review on what to expect uh, as they fly out to Vancouver today. But uh, first off, we'll hear from the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska. He spoke to the media in Buffalo yesterday. Can I just ask you about uh, the shootout? Like, what, what it goes through your mind when you're putting together a list of players before a game? Um, a, a few things, like we go based on history um, is something that we'll look at. So we have a kind of a breakdown of where our guys are and you know types of goaltender that we're, we're seeing. Um, and then in practice, when we work on it, we see if there's someone that's moving himself up the ladder or not. And you know we've tried to give our guys a little bit more information on what's working right now for guys to have success in a shootout, um, where the optimal place to shoot is from so we've tried to take it to another level here this year but a lot of it comes down to us choosing guys based on um, past history and what their success rate typically is would you consider going with gut feel like a guy's having a really good night and like this is our time to maybe give him a chance yep 
Um, absolutely. I mean, our order changes. Like we made one slight change to it last game um, based on a little bit of a feel and the way the game is going and the environment and all that stuff. So um, without a doubt, I think you have to you have to use that. And, um, you know, analytics goes so far, but you also have to use your, as you mentioned, gut test for sure. Do you subscribe to the theory that when you get in tight, you have to elevate the puck? Yep, absolutely. There's a prime area that you have to try to shoot from. Goalies are so good now that if you're, unless you're exceptional at what you're doing, if you put it you on the ice. You shot at me? Most times they're, they're going, uh, <laughs> they're going to make that save. So a lot of times elevating is part of that for sure. When you talk about giving them information on the goaltender that they're facing, are you doing that like a minute before they're about to shoot? Or is this something you actually talk about before a game? Yeah, it's uh, Jason does a great job of, of setting our guys up for what they're going to see. So he has a, you know, a video that will run on opposing goaltenders with some tendencies and areas that we might be able to um, try to capitalize on a goaltender. I mean, most guys at, at this level, I mean, if they're seeing it, they're saving it. Uh, and that's a big thing is to try to find traffic. But we do have a, a bit of a pre-scout on goaltenders every night that Jason does for us. Last question about the shootout, I promise. <laughs> Are you okay with what uh, Kuznetsov did the other day? Should there be a time clock? Uh, well, there isn't right now, so I am okay with it, I guess. So that's the best way that I can answer it. He scored on it. Um, uh, so he, he's really good with that move, and that's the move that he chooses to use, and it's probably because it's working. So he's still moving in the right direction. All that stuff comes into play. He's within the rules, so he has the right to be able to do that right now. Speaking of goaltending, what can you say about what Jacob has given you through three games here so far? Uh, he's been excellent. I mean, um, you know, it's, and we talked about this in Calgary before. He's not. It's not like we were expecting him to come in and be a little iffy. Like um, he's an elite goaltender, and he gives us a chance to win, and that's what you want out of your guys. No different than Dan um, will be when he gets himself into the net. We believe in both of our guys, and uh, we know they're more than capable of not just helping us win, but they're capable of stealing games. And obviously, you've said that that you believe in this guy 100%, and there's no reason that you shouldn't. But when he's in a third period situation the other night, he stops a breakaway on an elite score, or the you know the power play in overtime. What does that do for the guys on the bench too, and maybe increasing that? Um, it goes a long way. I, again, it's them knowing that if there is a mistake that gets made, there's a guy behind that's pretty pretty good chance is going to bail me out. But um, at the end of the day, that's what they're paid for too, and they they get paid really well to stop the puck. And those are the parts of the game where they get fired up too. Like the challenge becomes me and a shooter, uh, and that's why the best are the way they are. You still like the way games are ended in shootout, or would you like to see more overtime? I I think I'd like to see overtime for me personally, but um, yeah, I, I, the problem is it, it's it's being coached. Um, a lot right now where it's keep the puck, keep the puck, keep the puck, and you don't try to challenge until you get uh, an odd man opportunity. Um, so whether if it goes 10 minutes, will you eventually get a breakdown? Probably at, at some point, but um, it's it's a lot more hockey as well for the guys that play in those overtime situations. So there's a fine line I think you have to walk, yeah. I was just going to ask you as a coach, do you still enjoy that that three on three setup as as you said, you're trying to, I mean, it's, it's tightened up in some ways now. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be so explosive. It used to be for sure. Um, it was back and forth, back and forth. Now the only time it goes back and forth is if someone falls or you miss an opportunity at one end. Then you'll see it for a little bit, but other than that, it's it's pretty methodical now. Where guys want to make sure they're um, when they have the one chance, they're not going to waste it. Uh, that's typically the way it's gone now.
Yeah, that's some interesting words there from Ryan Huska that uh, he's, you know, it, with the with the shootout attempt with uh, with Evgeny Kuznetsov. I think I brought it up yesterday. I think if you see that happen more and more around the league, you see guys coming in. You know, it's taking them ten seconds to get a shot off. I think that's probably going to become more of a problem in the NHL. I think you just got to get rid of at the, it. You got to get rid of that specific move, right? We've yep. already seen the NHL do it before. Can't go in, back. Yeah, yep. with the spinorama move, yep. that was a big thing in the yeah. mid mid to early 2010s, yeah, when, right? Yeah, when it first came out. Um, like what Sean Couturier did. Yeah. The side, I'm fine. That, that's fine. That's still, fine. The goalie can still see everything. You can still see your eyes and everything and whatnot. Yeah. But when you're back, I get that. But I don't know. You, I, you feel like you're coming in slow. The goalie's like... I mean, just like the goalie eventually is going to have to get deeper and deeper into his net as, yeah. as slowly as slowly as you're going to creep in like that just you know, allows a, mu- a bunch of space to come in there. And at that level, guys can handle the puck so damn well that like basically yeah. Jake Markstrom's only option there was to try and yeah. do like a, a Dominic yeah. Asik style exactly. diving yeah, That's not going to happen and, and anymore because these guys, those players will see that kind of like, I can just skate just around, around right. you. You're wearing all these pads. I've got nothing. I can just yeah. easily dig around you or whatnot. So yeah, it's super interesting, and I think it yeah, feels like, like that move just goes against the integrity of what that, that hockey's that's supposed, supposed to be fast, to be. right? It's supposed to be fast, it's fast, fast. It's supposed to mimic. Like, it's supposed to mimic what a breakaway game. is. Exactly. That's never going to happen. You're not. Game. You're not going. Not even two miles per hour on a breakaway. He doesn't take a stride after he picks up the puck because <laughs> nets off. It's. I think it's a joke. It's, it's a glide. Yeah. It, it, it is a bit of a, a bit of a joke, but I think it, it's not going anywhere until you start seeing guys do this more and more. Yeah. Like in every shootout, you see one guy going in slow. That's when the NHL start picking up. And I'm. I also like like what Huska brought up with. He likes to see more overtime. I think that's been a debate that's been brought up around. Like, uh, do you extend the the three on three overtime? I know you're taxing more of these yeah. guys and whatnot. Uh, the games are already long as it is. The season's already long as it is. But do you think I it needs know. to get tweaked too? Three on three a little bit. Like George was talking about how he doesn't like how teams rag the puck and whatnot. If, I mean, if they he, implemented some sort of like over and back rule, maybe to where guys can't you know cross the red and then take it back out and, and rag it for the entire length of the ice. Yeah, that like I think once you make the decision it, but... to enter the offensive zone passing the, the center line, yeah. I think you're, you're committed. I think yeah. that uh, you have to be moving forward. You cannot go backwards. Definitely a possibility to look forward to. I, I think even I, even if it's not the red line, if it's the opposing blue line, uh-huh. and you can't just like circle back after that. I know like some guys like to take the puck in, like, oh, you get like, hit back, it will reset. Like Even if you've, like, once you've committed into the opposing blue line, right. you're in the offensive zone. You have to get a shot off. You have to make a play. And if you carry back, I don't know if you make a whistle to like stop the play, like like an over and back in the NBA and whatnot. To like yeah, just give them possession. It, it wouldn't be a penalty. It wouldn't be a penalty. I don't know. You like okay, we'll just face off in their own. You yeah. you have to you give up a defensive zone face off. Yeah, that would work. That would be a that, that could be that could totally work. So, I think I don't think we're at the problem yet. I just don't ever want to get to a point where we just take ties. No, that, I, ties I, aren't going to happen in, in in today's age. I know yeah. it's 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 we've talked about it a lot. Like, right. oh yeah, bring back the tie and whatnot. But yeah, it's not happening. Americans like winners, right? Yeah, that's straight up. That's it. The U.S. wants to see winners, and so the ties aren't going to uh, come back into the game because like, and we still have overtimes that are exciting, but there are other ones that are a bit of duds. So yeah, I mean, I, I think early on, it's just like for the regular season, I like three on three. Three on three is fine, and if it, if you want to. Tack on a couple more minutes to it, make it a sure. seven-minute three-on-three or something like that. I, I don't know, but I, I do like the over and back style rule that you brought mm-hmm. up there. If it's if it's like the red line, the blue line, 
circle back. You can't do that. You have to commit. You have to make a shot off uh, if you want to go back into your own zone. So who knows? But uh, right now, it's, it's not a, not a big problem. I think it was just a whole, like, what happened to the Flames? And True. the Flames aren't good in the shootouts. So <laughs> yeah. we have to change the shootout. We have to change overtime. I don't think this is a, a big problem in, in other you know, 31 markets or not. But if it starts becoming an issue with the shootout, I think the NHL is going to gonna do something. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Uh, one more from... Uh, do we have any more Flames audio? Let me just double check here. Yeah. No, no, we're done with the Flames audio. We're going to move to the Stampeders. It's a big one tomorrow in BC Place. The Stamps and Lions, 8 o'clock start. Calgary, uh, they control their own destiny. Uh, a couple wins and a Saskatchewan loss. You're into the playoffs. You'll be the three seed. Uh, but it starts with going into a tough place in BC place, uh, a place they haven't won this year. I know they, they, it was probably like their worst game of the entire year was probably their first game in, uh, I believe that was in, in July uh, when they went up into BC place. It might've been early August, but it was probably their worst game of the year. Uh, I know Dave mentioned that to us yesterday with our interview and uh, our Matty Rose did our uh, the stamps report, uh, just catching up on the practice week. Jake Mayer had a kid, healthy bodies, still waiting on depth charts. But uh, here's our Matt Rose with uh, a little bit of a stamps report uh, as the stamps get ready for the BC Lions. The Calgary Stampeders have their final practice Wednesday ahead of their huge game Friday night in BC against the Lions. Lots of playoff implications. You win, you have a chance to clinch this weekend. You lose and you have to scoreboard watch and maybe win a big game in the final week of the season. We'll start with some injury news, particularly the quarterback, Jake Mayer. I guess not injury news per se, but he didn't participate in practice Tuesday for non-injury reasons. Turns out congratulations are in order for Jake and his wife Amanda as they welcome their first child to the family late Monday night. Yeah, no, yesterday was uh, probably the best day of my life. Um, it was uh, it was super awesome. Um, Amanda killed it, did it, did, did great, crushed it, all the above. Um, so we're grateful as a family right now and uh, very humbling experience uh, to to have our own family. Yeah, uh, can you give us any details as much as you want about child, uh, gender, everything, and name? Yeah, we have, we have a little girl, uh, Everly. Everly Marie Mayer, so she's uh, she's doing great. All of her vitals are good. Everything's all good. Um, and like I said, we're just super proud to bring someone in the world. So a big congratulations to Jake and Amanda on welcoming Everly into their family. And I do know what you sickos are going to be asking, though. Is he going to be well-rested for the game Friday night in BC? He had this to say as well. I, uh, fortunately, have had sleep, but uh, Amanda, maybe not so much. Her, her mom's here. Her mom's in town, so... Um, I had to go home and take care of the dog a little bit. So uh, tonight, I'll uh, keep you posted on that, see how it goes. But um, she's, uh, she ha- I mean, I, the 24 hours that I've kind of spent time with her, uh, she's been pretty quiet. She's just like mom and dad, I guess, and hopefully she stays that way. Uh, where were you get the call that it was go time? Uh, were you here, were you at home, where were you? I was, uh, I had fallen asleep, and at midnight yesterday is when uh, when it, the ball got rolling there. So, um, yeah, no, we were, we, we were up all night. And uh, she finally uh, was delivered at uh, noon yesterday. So it does sound like Jake Mayer will be good to go. New dad energy as well. Guy was smiling like he could take on the world Wednesday afternoon. And funny enough, he's not the only one on the team who's on new father watch. Head coach and general manager Dave Dickinson told George Russick and I on the big show Wednesday morning, center Sean McEwen also expecting a child, although when that happens is not necessarily up to the head coach. If you know when kids are coming, let me know because I don't. So, uh, so hey, he's, he's locked in. Sean, Sean's been here. I mean, true pro, guy that's ready to work. He's always one of the first guys here going over his stuff. 
he's actually taken over, you know, our leadership position and with our some of our younger guys have really he's been helping them, the Rodims and, and those type of guys. And so, you know, whatever happens, happens. We can handle it. Um, and he's ready to go. So apart from baby watch for Sean McEwen, good news injury-wise for the offensive line, it looks like Bryce Bell will return. Unsure if he will start on the line in his return to the lineup. Dontney Demery and Joshua Coker both were taking some reps at tackle on Wednesday. They're going to need to be stout, though. The Lions have Matthew Betts. He's chasing history on their defensive line. 17 sacks on the season. That has him tied with Brent Johnson and Jamal Westerman for most by a Canadian in his season. He's got sacks in four straight games going into Friday and has had a sack in both the prior meetings this season. Elsewhere on the offensive line, Reggie Bagleton, a full participant again, but he does still need to be cleared to play. Medically and doctors have to say that he can survive a hit and... Uh... Uh, you know, I'm feeling like it's, you know, it's probably 50-50, but with Reggie, you'd probably give him a little more than that. That's just who he is, and uh, we need him, but we understand if it's not a go, it's not a go, we'll move on. So that sets up pretty standard group of receivers for Calgary. If he's cleared, Bagleton, Michelle, Trey Adams, Dukes, Luther, Akunavanu, and Cole Tucker would be your expected starters, with Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan at running back. Unsure if they'll be able to fit Diedrich Mills on the roster. Might end up being unfortunately scratched, just like last week. More of a roster casualty than anything with Peyton Logan helping out in the return game. Before we get to the defense, just a quick special teams note as well, and kind of offense. Kicker Renee Paradis has been unable to practice due to a shoulder injury. Not to say the veteran and future Hall of Famer needs practice, but he has to be healthy to kick. Uh, they had Toshi Sato doing some of the kicking work Wednesday afternoon. Dave Dickinson talked about this injury to Paredes when he joined Russick and I for his usual Wednesday morning hit on the big show. Yeah, I mean, like it happened in Ottawa too. You know, some these guys are trying to get involved in tackling and getting mm -hmm. in there, and sometimes they take a hit. And um, You know, I'm feeling pretty good that he should be good to go, but uh, part of the, you know, I, I agree that shoulders you don't need them to kick, but it is a rhythm thing, yeah. and there is a, there is some rotation and turn on the upper body. Yeah. So I certainly think uh, I don't know a lot about kicking, but I'm sure <laughs> he still feels <laughs> much more comfortable if he felt uh, healthy. He'll 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 find a way through it, and uh, you know, but if he can't, we've we've had uh, Toshi's been sitting on our our practice roster all year, yeah. a global kicker from Japan. Mm -hmm. And been doing a nice job. So uh, if we go that way, we'll, we'll, we'll go that way. So that's the latest on the kicking position. We'll watch the injury reports and for the depth charts Thursday morning to see if Renee is able to get on the roster. Defensively, all the players that have been banged up and have been seeing progression did see more progression. Defensive backs Trey Roberson and Brandon Dozier should be available, as well as defensive linemen Mike Rose and Mike Moore after both have either missed time this week or are coming back from injury. We'll hear from Mike Rose during Thursday's Stamps Reporters as well, had a chance to talk to him before their flight off to BC. But this is a big game for the defense. You got to slow down this high flying Lions offense. And I mean high flying, they almost exclusively pass the ball. Vernon Adams Jr. has led that group to top three in points for touchdowns, net offense, yards per play, first downs, passing yards, passing attempts, and completion percentage. The Lions are top three in all of those categories. The list goes on and on, but they are dead last in rush yards and rush attempts. They attack through the air almost exclusively, and really you cannot blame them. Vernon Adams Jr. has been throwing the ball well this year. He leads the league in passing yards, and they've got a great group of receivers. 
Keon Hatcher and Alexander Hollins are having all-star caliber seasons. And that's before you get to Javon Katoy, Lucky Whitehead, Dominique Grimes, who's only dressed for nine games this season. They have a loaded receiver group. Dave Dickinson talked about this Lions team when he joined Russick and I Wednesday morning. We're just going to try to make sure we play our best game. Uh, we didn't do that the last time we were out there for, for whatever reasons. Uh, I looked back. I mean, we were offside in the open kickoff. Our first defensive play, we made a, a mental error. And our first offense play, we took a holding. Yeah. I mean, it was really just a, just the guys just uh, weren't themselves. And that, that game was one of those that you could chalk up was probably, when you look back, a game that we didn't, we didn't show up ready to play. Other than that, our team's been excellent. Yeah. And uh, we expect to go out there and, and play well. And, and we don't worry about the score if we do that. Just go play well, do your job, um, try to win as many plays as possible and see what the score is at the end of the game. Tall task for them. We'll see what they can do. Friday at 8 o'clock will be the game if the Stampeders win and the Rough Riders lose Saturday to Toronto. Then Calgary will clinch a playoff spot. If both teams have the same result, then... The result will be dependent on Calgary's game against Winnipeg the following weekend. If Calgary loses and Saskatchewan wins, Calgary will miss the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. This game, irrelevant for BC2. It's their final contest of the year. They have the Week 21 bye. They're one of three teams with it. A win gives them a chance to win the division and get a first-round bye. They could pass the Bombers if they win this game. Travel day on Thursday for the Stamps. We'll get depth charts as well. That'll come out in the morning. We'll know the roster then. Renee Parrott is probably the biggest question mark right now, and maybe Sean McEwen, dependent on the birth of his child. We'll hear from Mike Rose in tomorrow's Stamps Report as well. Uh, 8 o'clock start Friday in BC, then on Saturday, Patty Dumas and I will be breaking it down at noon on Stamps Hour as well, so make sure you tune into that. With your Stampeders Report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty. Uh, yeah, big one for the Stampeders tomorrow. Also kind of a big one for the BC Lions. If they want any chance of hosting a West Final, they have to win tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, Winnipeg will uh, clinch the first spot in the West Division, and I know nobody wants to go out to Winnipeg uh, on a Saturday afternoon in November because it's going to be really cold. Uh, but that was Matt Rose and our Stamps Report. He'll have another one coming up later on today. Uh, still no depth charts. Uh, he mentioned Renee Paredes is the one name that really we're kind of concerned about. Obviously, he's uh, one of the greatest kickers in CFL history. Uh Toshi Sato is uh, one of the global guys. He's been around the last couple of years. He's he's filled in well in the preseason. He's done. Uh, I've seen him at practice. He's done well. We'll see how he can apply that to an actual regular season game. So uh, Paredes is one to watch. Uh, I, I must assume he's going to play, but uh, lots could happen. Uh, still waiting on the official depth charts. Probably something Saskatchewan's uh, figuring out as well. So both teams have to agree and. And then they can send them off. So uh, Stamps and Lions tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Around the corner, uh, a little AHL talk. Calgary Wranglers getting ready to play game three of their season tomorrow night in Abbotsford, taking on the Canucks. Uh, they'll be back home next week, but uh, we'll visit with Sandra Piscina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, see how the how the team has looked over the first two games out in Manitoba, and uh, what are some other players that could be knocking on the door of, uh, of a call-up sooner rather than later. Sandra Priscina next as Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 continuing here. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. Well, we have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Joined in studio by Sandra Priscina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers and sports reporter over at City News 660. Sandra, how are we doing this morning? Great. How are you? Oh, God. It's uh, like we were talking on the break. It's, it's, it is the best time, I think, of the year to be a sports fan. 
the September to February run that we're on, like NFL starting, NHL ramping up, baseball postseason. It's crazy. There's so I much. Like, even it. last night, we mentioned like there's not a lot to do. There's only two hockey games, but WNBA final yes, game aces. four there. Las Vegas yeah. Aces go back to back. Uh, good win for you know Tom Brady's his first first uh, big, it was joins the ownership group on the second of October uh, wins a title on the eighteenth so good for something him something to do with Becky Harmon yeah, maybe m- probably a little, a little bit more with little Becky Harmon sorry Tom <laughs> and uh, uh, Aja Wilson and everything else that goes on with uh, with the Vegas Aces so congratulations to them but uh, uh, the the team you call the Calgary Wranglers the Flames uh, number one affiliate in the American Hockey League. Uh, coming off a fantastic year last year. We all know how, obviously, didn't end uh, in a Calder Cup uh, the way we all hoped, but uh, nonetheless, like Dustin Wolf, another great, phenomenal year. He's back, maybe maybe not where he wants to be, but maybe let's, let's start with the, the with the Dustin Wolf thing. I think I, a lot of people, like we talked maybe in April, I think it was the last time, at mm-hmm. the end of the regular season, uh, regular season, like, we all expected Dan, or sorry, uh, Dustin Wolf to probably be the backup to Jacob Markstrom. I think most of us. And then, you know, camp hits. Ladar's still here. He's winning. He's doing his thing. And and Wolf's got to go back to the AHL. How do you think he's taking that? I, obviously, it's not the best of news being like, hey, you, you didn't quite make it to the NHL, but there's nothing more you can really show us in the AHL. What do you think's going in with, with, with Dustin Wolf as he, uh, as he takes another season here in the AHL to start at least? I think he's taking it with stride, and he's got some good messaging mm. from Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy. I mean, the writing is on the wall when you have two goalies. You don't want a three-headed monster no. because that's happened with the Flames organization before, and you ended up losing Paul Byron on waivers as a result. So there's this weird trickle-down effect that also impacts the skaters. So you have to really find the right time mm-hmm. to make that move. And I was watching a lot of preseason, and I remember that split squad where Dan Vladar went to Seattle, and mm-hmm. everybody thought, ooh, okay, that's a really young roster in front of them, in front yeah. of him. He's mm-hmm. going to get lit up. He was brilliant. Yep. And he really showed his worth in the preseason. And he, he's a good goalie. He's mm-hmm. serviceable. And I know there was talk maybe Colorado, Tampa Bay, things. But if the deal isn't there, and I know people, and sorry, I'm deviating from no, your original question, but I've gotten text messages from people and saying, well, isn't Dustin going to be upset? And when you look at a hockey team, there's the X's and O's and there's the personnel, but then there's also things like a salary cap and mm-hmm. trade partners. And there's so many different pieces to make a trade work. So I'm sure Craig Conroy is looking at all of his options, but at the same time, not everything works. Mm-hmm. And you know that Calgary's up against the cap, as are other teams in the NHL. So these moves don't always work. So you have to find yeah. a dance partner, first of all. And maybe that's not an option because now you've got two veteran guys that you know that can get the job done. So mm-hmm. I think with Dustin, I think he's a realist. And the fact that the affiliate is here in Calgary, they can call him up in the drop of a hat. If yep. something were happened, somebody gets tweaked or somebody needs to go away on a on a personal yep. issue or something, Dustin is right there. Mm-hmm. And for for the messaging that Dustin got, Connor Zary got, Cole Schwint got, Adam Klapka got, show that you're ready. Mm-hmm. And and that's what Ryan Huska said. Yeah. Show that you're ready. We're going to call you up, but you have to be ready. And I think Dustin understands that. He is a guy, I always think of the story about Rudy. And he's one of those guys that always defeats all odds. Yeah, seventh round pick. Right? Yeah. So here's another chapter in his story. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, David Pagnotta from the the fourth period mentioned that the, the Flames may be gauging uh, the market on Dan Vladar because I think we've had many insiders on here. Like Frank Sarvalli said, like, 
uh, the league views Dan Vladar as a future starter. Sure. I think the Flames, you'd hope maybe view him as a future starter because that's how you want to evaluate your talent. You want to hope all your talent can be a contributing factor to your success. And then we just had Kelly Rudy on last hour, and he 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 wonders if, if maybe Dustin Wolf could maybe get too bored. There's not enough of a challenge there for the AHL. Is that maybe a risk that he could run in that if it isn't a, a great start, like a Dustin Wolf type mm-hmm. start, is that maybe a risk that, yeah, I'm just not feeling it right now in the AHL and I want to, I need more, I need more of a challenge here? So I have to actually disagree and and the reason I do that is because the AHL there's a lot of turnover in that league and Calgary although not completely different from Mm. last year you've lost Matthew Phillips that's a good 80 points Jacob Mm -hmm. Peltier not with the team Mm -hmm. you've also lost a couple of dependable blue liners in Christian Rubens and um, so you're going to have to learn to play with a different team in front of you a lot of the pieces are still the same Mm -hmm. but you've lost nearly 100 points with Phillips and Peltier gone. Mm-hmm. So I think for Dustin Wolf, this is a new challenge. And he's got different couple of different blue liners in front of him. He's got somebody like Jeremy Poirier, who's a year older. And he's, he's going to have to find a way to work with the team. So it is another challenge. Hey, can I be goalie of the year again? I know maybe it's not the challenge that mm-hmm. you wanted, but I just think the turnover is such a factor in the American Hockey League. And this gives the opportunity for Dustin to check something else off of his That's list. That's fair point. That's fair point. Uh, one-on-one, the, they started the weekend out in Winnipeg against the Moose. Uh, game one there on Friday. Get down 2 nothing, but then, boom, Alex Gallant. He do, <laughs> he's done this before. Uh, yeah. I believe it was uh, it was in April there when our last chat, he fought uh, the Abbotsford, Kanek Leipert. Oh, and it was one of the goodness. greatest fights we've ever seen. Shucking uh, bombs. This one might have been better. Unbelievable. <laughs> talk about the Jeffrey V. Like, that was, a, if you want to talk about momentum switch, that Alex was it. Did it. Yeah. Four and straight then, after that. Uh, unbelievable. And it doesn't surprise me because that's what you get with Alex. Mm-hmm. He is one of those players that puts the team on his back and he knows, okay, I got to drop the gloves. The team loves him. Mm-hmm. And I know fighting and having a so-called enforcer is a bit of a contentious issue in professional sure. hockey, but you said it. It can be a complete momentum swinger. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly a 180 with this team. Everybody saw, okay, listen, this guy is putting his body on the line for us. Mm-hmm. Let's pull up our pants, pull yeah. up our skates yeah. a little bit, get the job done. And they did absolutely that. So I don't think Alex is going to be in every game this season. He's mm-hmm. not going to play 72. Mm-hmm. But when they need him, he's going to be there. Yeah. Uh, they followed overtime in, in the, the second game. Just overall, like, how do you like the, the first two out there? I mean, a one Points in both the games. Yeah. 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 Three out of four. You yeah. can't complain about that. You get Oscar Dansk a little bit yeah. of action. He's been sitting on the sidelines since mm-hmm. being uh, brought back down after training camp. So I like it. And to start, so they're starting with four on the road and two really good opponents. Yeah. With Manitoba, you don't see them a lot because nope. they're in the central, right? So this is the furthest east Calgary goes unless they go deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then Abbotsford, this will be a really good litmus test, I think, for Calgary. Because if you remember, those playoffs were very, very close. Yes. And you've got... Uh, the nice thing with Alex is you'll have you can keep somebody like Jet Wu in line who mm. tends to get a little <laughs> rattled up and maybe throw some body checks. Remember yeah. what happened with Maddie Phillips mm-hmm, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be this weekend. I think will be a good not only all Canadian battle but to see who will be top spot in the Pacific because I still think it's Calgary or Abbotsford. Yes, we'll talk about Coachella, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's still some <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, good group. <laughs> a pretty good group, but I think for the Canadian teams, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Uh, you mentioned there a little off the top, uh, Connor Zari, uh, Cole Schwint, among the final cuts uh, from the big club. Uh, I think, you know, Zari's a guy, he was a first-round pick. That was kind of expected. And then Cole Schwint, like, he, he was the, the forgotten piece from the mm-hmm. Huberto trade. You know, it's Hoobs, it's Uyghur, it's the first. Hey, it's Cole Schwint. Here's a guy. It's a, it's a professional player. Are you were you surprised that he hung around that long? Or is it just like this is a guy that, hey, he has NHL ability in him? Because I don't think a lot of people may have thought he's a fringe NHLer. Right. Maybe he's more of an AHL lifer. But he hung around camp longer than I think a lot of people thought. He's a niche player. Yeah. And by that, I mean he's a bottom six guy that does the things other guys might not want to do. And sure. that's kill penalties, block shots, take face-offs mm-hmm. in the defensive zone, and win them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get with somebody like Cole Schwint. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He'll mm-hmm. be elevated now yep. with the absence and uh, Matthew Phillips leaving, Jacob Peltier yep. leaving. So he'll be elevated on, in the lineup, and he'll see some more minutes. And I think that's what you want from a guy like Cole Schwint. And what a confidence booster that must have been for him oh, yeah. to be one of the final cuts. Yeah. That is huge. So I, I remember, and I don't know who talked to him. Maybe it was Pat, but talking to Cole and saying, listen, I don't want to be the forgotten piece no, in that trade. No. I want people to know that I'm part of it. I wasn't just a throw-in. No. And I think that's something even Brad Tree Living like talked about. The obviously saw yeah. something that, hey, okay, well, this guy could be a player. Exactly. So you're getting more of a meat and potatoes type player. Sure. Maybe the finesse isn't there, but he's also scored two goals in this young AHL season yeah. too. So I, I think that... It's good for the Flames to have that kind of depth and knowing, okay, we can call this guy up mm-hmm. and he can fit in seamlessly. And he's still pretty young if, yeah. you, if you look at the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So the yeah. option is there. Uh, Jeremy Poirier, super first year uh, of professional hockey, 41 points in 69 games. He's got five and two to start this year. Uh you know, like, like is, is it more just him rounding out his defensive style game? Because I feel like, you know, you throw in uh, Ilya Soloviev, another mm-hmm. one of the final cuts from the Flames uh, as a more of maybe of a defensive-minded type guy. But, you know, J- Jeremy Poirier maybe right now the most exciting defensive guy that could be possibly called up. Huge. He, he will round out his defensive game, but mm-hmm. they've had him paired with Colton Pullman, which is, we were calling him P-squared because they <laughs> played so well together. Yeah. You got Pullman, really stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. He also plays really clean, doesn't take a lot of penalties. Jeremy Poirier, as a result, can wheel and deal. And you'll see him on that first power play unit, the way he's able to not only distribute the puck, but the way he takes it up ice with such patience. Mm-hmm. His skill, not only with his stick handling and shot, but with his skating as well. He's a brilliant player. I think Flames fans have every right to be very excited about him. And I'll just throw it out there. I don't think it'll be too long before he's on the power play for the big club. Hmm. Uh, what about uh, Soloviev? Uh, this uh, maybe a bit of a maybe an unknown guy. He was, uh, you know, Yan Kuznetsov is ahead of him. He was drafted ahead of him, and maybe think, oh, wait, where is Kuznetsov? And Soloviev maybe has jumped him on the way the Flames view this depth chart. Uh, what does what maybe Soloviev have to do to uh, knock more on the door maybe next year? I actually just think he needs to stay to the way that he yeah. plays and stay true to his game. He's not known for his offensive prowess. No. I mean, he didn't score his first goal of the season last year. Oh, gosh, I remember it. It was the dead of winter, Patrick. <laughs> it was probably minus 25 outside, oh, yeah. middle of the week. It was like a Wednesday night, Thursday Ooh. night. Weren't that many people at the game. Yeah. It was kind of a boring game. It was versus Colorado, 1-1 after 60 minutes. And I remember looking at Brian. I'm like, who's going to be the hero tonight? And we just want to, <laughs> it's cold. Everybody wants to Get go out home. Of here. And Soloviov. <laughs> 
Scores yeah. the OT winner, his first of the season. He's got a nice shot from the point, but that's not what he's known for. Mm-hmm. He's very quiet in a sense that you don't notice him, and you don't notice him for all the right reasons because he defends well. He's really good with his stick, mm-hmm. able to keep the forwards wide. He just does a good job, and yeah, he's definitely next in the pecking order if they need more of a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, Adam Klapka, this guy, he's obviously you can't miss him. Six seven. Uh, 230 pounds. He's 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 a he's a he's a ginormous figure on the ice. Also among one of the the, the final cuts. A lot of I yeah. Francis was like, hey, he could be the guy that could be on that fourth line. But obviously they go they go with uh, they they bring off AJ Greer from from waivers. Dryden Dryden Hunt made the team as well as an extra forward. But Adam Klapka, a very interesting uh, type player. Is this guy like he had 13 goals last year? I think he's probably got more of an offensive uh, get in his game here. Uh, what do you think with with Klapka heading in his top line with Zari and Schwint as well? Yeah, he just wasn't meant for a fourth right line role yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. That's just d- d- stature aside. You look at him some some places listing him six foot eight. <laughs> I think we have him at six foot seven. Yeah. But, but he's not there to drop the gloves. No. He's not necessarily there to be an energy guy. He's good on power play unit number two. He can gain the zone. He uses his body mm-hmm. in the blue paint. Creates a lot of space for the other forwards. And people have to remember, last year was his first pro year in North America. So he's just getting used to the style of game, the size Mm -hmm. of the ice, what his role is going to be. And I thought he fit in pretty seamlessly. And what I've heard from the grapevine is that Jerome Aginla, huge fan of Adam Klapka. So when you have number 12 in your corner, he's going to create some space to make sure you get all of the support you need to Mm -hmm. make that jump to the NHL. I think... Brilliant scouting on the part of whoever found Adam Klapka. Mm -hmm. This is untapped potential right here, and he'll be ready to take that jump. I think another full year of the AHL playing top six minutes on the power play. He's going to be looked upon as a leader. And yeah, he can bring some physicality, but don't just take away his size. He uses his size for his skill. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think like you know, Adam Ruzicka, like type guy, like he's right. a bigger dude, but he's not here to face punch. He's not here to grind it out. He's a, he's got more skill in his game. And I think yep. you, know, you know, big guy Tage Thompson is another big great guy, example. Yeah, uh, a skilled dude that uh, uses his body to help the skill. Uh, Trent Call, new head coach, replacing Mitch Love. He's now into Washington with Matthew Phillips. Uh, I mean, for a couple of times we've heard from him, he's a down to earth guy. He's he's coached a lot at this level, and and I think we, like guys talk to him like, "Hey, do you do you envision the NHL as as a future?" And like Trent, he's been honest. He's like, I love coaching the AHL. He loves being down here. He feels like you know this is the guy that can is the right fit for this uh, this group. Uh, talk to me about Trent Call. And you know why? I think it's because he's an AHL journeyman himself. He played eight years, blue liner. He was known not so much for his offensive game. I don't think he put up double digits in points or rather in goals more than one season. And uh, if you look at his PIMS, though, (laughs) I mean, over 100 almost every season except two. Yeah, so he knows what it takes to just get it done at this level. Mm -hmm. And when you have a player or excuse me, when you're a player who has a coach with that kind of experience, I think you listen. And not to say that the team didn't listen to Mitch Love. That's certainly not it. No, Two-time coach you. of the year. But yeah. uh, he's coming from a different vantage like I've point. I've been in your spot. Exactly. I've been in where you are. And, hey, it might not be the NHL for you, but I can make you a hell of a professional yep. hockey player. Yep. And I think what you'll see is you'll see the Wranglers playing a very similar style to the Flames. And he'll help make that transition, mm-hmm. whether it be for Cole Schwint, Adam Klapka, Ilya Solovyov, Dustin Wolf. Yep. The transition to the NHL, hopefully full-time, will be a lot easier at the tutelage of Trent Cole. 
Uh, no surprise that Matthew Phillips uh, scored there against the Flames. It, His first we, goal. We <laughs> love sports for a lot of reasons, and it's because of the stories. Yes. And that was a perfect story for Matthew Phillips. That is uh, off the ice, just a wonderful young man. I know you hate to be on the opposing side of the way that story goes, but you couldn't have written it better. Um, I just think back to a lot of the games and we would see his grandparents in the, mm-hmm. in the stands at the saddle dome, his, his girlfriend, his mom and dad. And it's just, I'm sorry it couldn't work out here, but the fact that he was able to score, get a couple of points mm-hmm. and true to Matthew Phillips form before even talking about himself, he tra- talked about Chris yeah. Snow. After the game. And that's all you need to know about this young man. Wish him all the best. He brought some great moments in the playoffs. Um, Obviously, I never imagined that I would get to call a Matthew Phillips overtime goal. And it it was just good for him. What can we say? Yeah. Uh, Wish him all the best. I'm sorry it couldn't have happened here, but I understand. Mm And I remember listening to an interview with Mike Vernon over the summer after he was talking about getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he talked about how difficult it was as a Calgarian to play in this city and what the expectations are and knowing the eyeballs are on you, maybe more so as a goalie, but I digress. I mean, just for Matthew, maybe it was difficult. And he he needed the door to be open, and I think with Mitch Love there, Mm -hmm. he's going to vouch for him, Mm -hmm. and now... He's got a whole city that's probably going to fall in love with him. So, yeah. so good for him. You hope uh, you hope the best for the kid. I uh, loved watching him play here. And yeah, he, he bet on himself here. He, he right. got a one-way deal, one year. Go prove yourself to be in the NHL. And, you know, yep. fair to him to go you know, prove it down to, in Washington. Uh, excitement level to be back at the Dome next week. Oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I was there for a couple of preseason games and you watch from the press box and you're like, yeah, I love this view. And just knowing what we know about the arena, I think I'm going to soak it up a little bit more because oh, yeah. you don't know how long it's going to last. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talk to other broadcasters. Yeah, the building's old, but that view, I think it's probably one of the oh. best in professional well, hockey. It overhangs the ice there. It's, it's yep. brilliant. And I'm just, I'm honored that I get the opportunity to do it again. It's not something that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. I really take it to heart. I know it's a privilege. Sure. So really looking forward to it. Hope, hopefully people have really opened the door to the Wranglers after seeing them go on a bit of a playoff run last season. Yep. We had some good moments, fell short in that triple overtime and that other overtime down in Palm it, Springs. Yeah. But I think this team certainly could duplicate Maybe not first in the AHL, but I think they are a playoff team. And I think people have the right to be excited because there are some good players on this group. Oh, yeah. And we'll have 12 of the Wrangler broadcasts right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fans starting on November 15th against Bakersfield. Uh, so cool to have more Wrangler content on, yes. on 960. Can't sure. wait. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much. Uh, have the best uh, rest of your day. And uh, we'll do this again very My soon, My pleasure. Sure. Thank you for having me, Patrick. Always great to see you. Yes, for sure. Thank you, Sandra. There we go. That'll do it for the show. I want to thank everybody involved in today's program. Uh, Ross Tucker, David Pagnotta, Kelly Rudy, and Sandra Piscina. All those interviews will be up on our podcast feed. Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon. They're all going to be there. I want to thank GVP for making us sound great. Uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to break down the Flames game. They're in Buffalo tonight. Uh, sounds like it's going to be Dan Vladar's crease for Calgary, Devin Levi going for the Sabres for a fourth straight game. Same lines as well for Buffalo. Uh, Matias Samuelson might be a game-time decision, but it uh, seems like he's skating out there right now. Uh, we'll have Frank Saravalli as well. And um, Pat Steinberg maybe will be joining us as well. Who knows? Uh, Flames Sabres tonight will be on the air at 4 o'clock with Flames pregame. Puck drop a little after 5 with Derek and Megan. Keep it locked all day right here. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.